Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is Pathfinder 304 Inclusion. This is part of our 300 series covering advanced topics. And to help us talk about the subject, we have an adjunct professor, Jeff in Control Robinson. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I've enjoyed watching your career in many ways. To have you, anytime you're on a casting couch, I know, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a real good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I'm glad to have that effect. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder how, how Blizzard lets you get away saying some of the hilarious stuff you say. I do, too. I, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure how I get away with it, but thus far I have, so here we are. <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about a sort of serious subject that I think comes up a lot in role-playing. We try to cover topics that are, are best addressed to people who are playing Pathfinder, real questions that our audience is going to have. And I think sometimes these questions are hard to talk about. So I thought maybe it would be good if we could talk about it, help that dialogue go in on players and GMs' minds. So Jeff, you have been playing on the role-play. I don't know if it's a network or, or series of vodcasts or I don't know what you want to call that kind of content for a while now. Matter of fact, you're one of the first role-playing things I ever consumed was the original role-play with you as uh, Vincent with his skull mask that, that you constantly brought up but no one would ever remember. Beyond your experience in the role-playing world, you have been a StarCraft personality for quite some time, a pro gamer back in the Brood War days, a little bit in the StarCraft 2 days. We're really happy to have you on. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here and I, I like talking about these deeper subjects and I particularly like it on the medium of tabletop role-playing because I think it's such a fascinating thing because at first glance you kind of look at tabletop and you think well it's just a bunch of people being silly and you know mm -hmm. playing in their imagination but while it can and, and oftentimes is that it's also us exploring concepts and ideas socially with friends that you otherwise may not face and it's I think one of the best rewards for it is that it's it, I almost hate using this phrase because it, it conjures up other meanings but it's like a, it's a safe place to do that and not I don't I don't mean that with the sure political attachments i just mean that you're with friends you are imagining things and you should explore you know diversity or sexual issues and all those kind of things and i often like actually if tabletop can make you slightly uncomfortable because that means it puts you in a place hmm. where you're kind of addressing things that are out of the norm for you mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and i think that's amazing like that's a huge thing you can do yeah and what better place and, to sort of learn about these things than in the you know as you're saying a safer place where you're around friends right it's more conducive to that since there's so much more buy-in from the players. They're putting in so much more than you would for other things you do together. Like if you're just playing video games together, you're not putting forward as much as yourself as you are when you're playing a tabletop role-playing game. So it, it, these topics do hit a lot deeper, I feel. Yeah, and it, it, you're kind of like the producer, the writer, and even the actor. So there's ownership over it too, right? Like when you play a game, we've had some of these amazing games where there is a moment where the story kind of puts you in a position where like, oh, wow, this is, this is deep and this is cool. But when you're doing tabletop role-playing between you and your friends or whoever, there's ownership. There's like, if you if you put forth an uncomfortable situation, people don't go, oh, wow, wow, look at this indirect thing we're all experiencing. They're all like, oh, okay, this person put this forward. This is the, this is their plot line. This is something that they want us to feel and talk about. It's much more intimate. It's much more personal, right? Even if it is through an imaginary character in an imaginary place, people, I think oftentimes their knee-jerk response is not to view it that way, right? They're like, okay, well, mm -hmm. Billy Bob here is, is wanting us to experience, or they are experimenting with the experience of being deaf, you know, and we're, we're talking about that now. Mm -hmm. So I want to say something right off the bat. No one here talks for their entire people group. 
I don't represent all Christians. <laughs> Jeff doesn't represent all gamers. Christian doesn't represent all homosexuals, etc. I just thought that I, you- I, I have to cut in. I'm sorry. I actually do represent uh, all gamers. <laughs> it's, it's not a comfortable position I'm in, but I'm there. So. <laughs> they all signed off. I have the paperwork right yeah. here. <laughs> It's a a rare situation where we run into this, but here we are. (laughs) So I thought that maybe we could each bring our own unique perspectives without the audience. Don't hold us to sort of being the person talking for entire people groups, except for Jeff, who is talking about all gamers. Right. So (laughs) we're we're here to talk about inclusion in tabletop role-playing games. Not only is the topic of inclusion huge, it has also been talked about to death in many ways. But one thing I don't see often talked about when I listen to people talk about this subject is what I think are the fundamentals beyond the surface level. So for this episode, we're going to zero in on a few questions that I think the average tabletop role-playing game player is going to have come up in their role-playing life. Uh, Most of our episodes are centered around topics that our listeners are bound to come across. So I think that this is going to be what's most useful to our listeners. So first, we'll define what we mean by inclusion. Then we'll answer three questions. Do I, as a GM, have an obligation to include varied backgrounds in my game? How do I represent backgrounds that have real-life equivalents in my game? And how do I make people of any background comfortable at my game? So let's start with defining inclusion. We've defined it here as properly representing backgrounds that have real-life equivalents in your game, such as gender, race, culture, sexual orientation, beliefs, etc., and making people of any background comfortable at your game. So why should we be inclusive? In our previous episode 303, Sensitivity and Respect, we talked about being respectful to everyone, and that's what inclusion is about, in my humble opinion. It's about being respectful and kind to everyone. We as role-playing game players love to draw from others' people's idea. I think almost all storytellers and actors do. So given that we're doing that, we want to see what are the ways to do that right and what are ways that are maybe wrong. It feels weird to say wrong as if there's some objective thing in the sky that we can refer to to make sure we're doing it right. But I guess that's what we're trying to explore and suss out here. And though many tabletop RPGs take place in fantasy settings, made up worlds, most of them do have analogs to the real world. We never really truly make anything original. It's typically based off of something that we know that actually happened, warped and combined with something else typically. So these are things you have to be conscientious about. Yeah, I mean, everyone tells stories that have been told before. I mean, just look at Blizzard. They've been telling the same story for years. <laughs> yep. So look, let's look at our first question. Do I, as a GM or DM, have an obligation to include varied backgrounds in my game? These, these, by the way, aren't canned questions. I guess they're canned to some extent. We we, we thought about them ahead of time, but they were they were they're genuine questions to, that we want to kind of look out and answer. So whenever I've heard this topic come up, it's been assumed from the start that people should make an active effort to include other backgrounds into their world. I want to ask whether or not there is that obligation. We're going to try to look at these fundamentals. Is there that obligation? Do GMs have a responsibility or obligation to work into your game varied backgrounds? For me, obligation is a 
problematic word here, I guess. I think something along the lines of, for me, the perfect GM or DM in the situation is someone that's like really responsive and interactive with who they're playing with. And if for some reason, you know, there is no variety at all, everyone's a white heterosexual male and <laughs> that's the entire world. And I, I think the opportunity here to explore the deeper meaning, the opportunity to enrich the perspective and experience with people of different color and, and culture is lost. So I guess I guess that's where I almost come full circle and say maybe the word obligation is there. I just I kind of come from a headspace and, and a place where for me, tabletop RPG is like exactly what you want it to be. So if people are like, you know what, we got two hours and something we used to do. Let's sit down and let's just go through a dungeon should like every NPC they meet like, hey, look, this is this is Kenneth Cole, the African-American or, you know, like, uh, and then the next one's like, this is the a Asian Billy. And it's like, and it just kind of goes that way. <laughs> then it feels like it doesn't feel like you're really doing it right. Like it feels kind of it feels sure. like a gap commercial where kids of every <laughs> single different background are playing together. And then here comes the two biracial parents and you're like, well, I, you know. I get it. We got everyone checked off here, but I, I'm not. I don't quite understand what's happening. I I feel like the real benefit of tabletop RPG is the authenticity that can come out of it, right? So like, so that's where I do kind of circle back to the word obligation and say maybe it does exist as an obligation. But but the the reason that's weird to me is like if someone just happens to not have a very diverse game, I don't feel like there's going to be like the tabletop RPG police that sweep in and are like, you sir, give me a dice bag. <laughs> FBI, open up. Yeah, <laughs> we've 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 never had any women leadership roles, you know, and they're they're going to come swooping in. Uh, but at the same time, I I do think in your journeys and, and like you guys were saying, it, it oftentimes is you know fictitious characters in a fictitious world, but it's it's mirroring real things happening in real life. I think it's such an incredibly important, almost uh, obligatory thing to have someone experience the different kinds of people that are out there. So I think it would. That's where I. I began saying obligation, no, but then I come back to it and say, well, gosh, you know, if you guys do like, we did a six year campaign, like, that's awesome. And like, tell me about it. Like, well, it's all white people. Everyone's straight. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that, you know, good for you. Cause, cause again, it's, it's whatever you want to make it out to be. But I come away from my experiences at tabletop RPG, not thinking of the straight narrow experiences, but more the like, wow, that was so profoundly uncomfortable. And then we talked about it and we worked through it mm. uh, and it became a thing. Thing, and that was so enriching. Yeah, the obligation of a GM in my mind is to make sure that all the players and you are having fun and creating right. a compelling story. So I don't think the obligation is to your players, to your play group. I think the obligation for me comes from just being a creator of a story, being a writer in a sense. When you're writing different backgrounds, belief systems, religions that we don't actually understand, that is the backbone of a fantasy tabletop role-playing game. That's what it really comes down to. Trying to interact with or understand something different than ourselves is what makes compelling stories. Races, cultures, religions in tabletop RPGs are often analogous to our own, as I mentioned. So I don't think we are obligated to include these things, but I think creating stories with diverse mindsets and cultures is a natural progression of simply being a good writer. It's hard to be a good storyteller when you tell the same story over and over again with the same actors. Some things are criminally underrepresented and make for fertile ground for your new storytelling, or at least maybe storytelling that isn't overdone. Yeah, or it's just realistic, right? Like, you're, you're never, I mean, I guess, well, I mean, it's fantasy world, but in, in real life, you're going to experience different things, right? You're going to experience the thief, the criminal, and that's a different kind of person versus someone that's like maybe high class 
Uh, and then of course there's racial and sexual and religious and there's all these different things you're, you're never going to really even in the most homogenized places we have there's still going to be someone that pokes up that's different right in fact sometimes under the surface more often than not they are completely different so mm-hmm. if your story doesn't have that then i like the analogy to you you know perhaps you're just not a top tier writer um because it's just it's just that level of immersion that's not there right mm-hmm. Yeah, going back to your discussion of, of the word obligation, what exactly are you obligated to that, that this conversation is based on? I guess it's obligated to create that fun, as Christian said, and entertaining story, to creating a good story. If you feel that you're obligated to do that, then you may also be obligated to include the varied backgrounds to make that happen. Otherwise, it it's, can be very difficult, especially in repetition. Yeah. So the second question, how do I be... Here's here's how I wrote the question in the notes. How do I be represent backgrounds? <laughs> has, has anyone ever been as far to be as? <laughs> how do I represent backgrounds that have real life equivalents in my game? This one should take like five minutes to answer. I think us three white guys should be able to take <clears throat> tackle this one pretty quick. <laughs> Tropes versus stereotypes, I think, are a good uh, entryway into answering this question. And it's something I think Christian and I have thought about for a while, but never put you know, wrote down and, and extrapolated on. And I think understanding tropes and stereotypes will help us answer this. So what is the difference between a trope and a stereotype? According to the wonderful master of all society, that is Google, a stereotype is a widely held but fixed and oversimplified image or idea of a particular type of person or thing. Meanwhile, a trope is a common or overused theme or device, according to Merriam-Webster. If you like dictionary so much, why don't you Miriam? Got him. <laughs> Nailed it. Burned. This is where if you can make this difference, I think you can help yourself out a lot. I would, so a trope would be like damsel in distress, right. but a stereotype would be more along the lines of. I can't wait for you to pick one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Name, name one of these oh, no. great stereotypes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. I have a big nose. I've been stereotyped <laughs> okay. for that. Italians have big noses, you see, but that one's based in truth. You haven't met my grandfather. His nose <laughs> never stopped growing. So the problem with this episode is we all, all three of us here are jokesters, and we're going to be trying to make a lot of jokes about a very serious thing. <laughs> so I would like to posit that I think tropes are okay, or in the very least, less problematic than stereotypes in your game. I think most tropes are fine to use. I think you could avoid some tropes because they're overused. You gave the example of damsel in distress. If I see one more movie that has a damsel in distress, I'm going to throw up. I've seen a lot. It's played out. And I personally usually like to interact with less tilled ground. But in my opinion, there's nothing wrong with using them if you want. A woman is as valid a choice to be rescued as anyone else. I think tropes are especially helpful in a crunch. Like, I don't have enough time to plan, but I know I need to get my players into a dungeon. I'll just have someone get kidnapped and the players have to rescue them. That's a trope, but I think it can help you out in a pinch. As for stereotypes, I think they're generally a hurtful generalization. And whether it's positive or a negative stereotype, it's still steeped in the idea of putting people into boxes. I think you can use tropes because the majority of them don't hurt people, but should avoid stereotypes because they do. Absolutely no one likes being told, you're this box. Oh, you're a X. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you what I am, actually. Thanks, though. I think tropes are really useful storytelling devices. 
we talk a lot about how you can kind of get inured to constantly new things. If you're in a brand new setting and it's completely homebrew and it's brand new races, you got to learn about that. And the story is highly complicated. You can get really burnt out trying to wrap your head around this. So if a trope comes along like damsel in distress, it's like, oh, well, I understand this. I can wrap my head around this. This is something that I don't have to expend effort trying to understand. And they can, if used well, just simply be a useful tool. They don't have to be hurtful. I think they can be if they're used poorly. Yeah, I think uh, I think for me, the answer comes in, in execution. I don't necessarily think of stereotypes as like, this is something that if you do, you're failing, it's bad, it's the worst thing in the world. I think they, they are usually coming from a place of commonality, generality, or some, some level of truth. It's just kind of a quicker way for us to assess information. And however, uh, the execution of it. So like you were saying, if, if you're like, well, this is who you are because you come from there. And it's like, well, that's not fun for anyone, especially mm-hmm. in tabletop role playing, because the, I feel like a, not quite the whole idea, but a big part of it is that you're living out and experiencing things you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Um, but I do think stereotypes, much like tropes to a certain degree, if overused or if executed in a, in a bad way, like they, they are used to just like, well, no, this is this is what it is because that's because they come from there. And that's just how it's always executed that way. Then, yeah, that's pretty bad. And it, it's just uh, it goes back to the, the writing example. It's just kind of weak writing stereotypes. And again, and I, I, I'm going to be beating this dead horse, I think, quite a bit. But I, I feel like exploring how we handle stereotypes in tabletop RPG is actually, again, very, very powerful. So mm-hmm. if everyone is fresh, unique, and a complete hipster, and it's like, wow, you're such an independent person. And it's like, well, is that a real example of life as well? Probably not as much. But mm. if your DM or GM is just constantly being like, well, he's very well dressed because he's a gay man. It's like, okay, well, that's <laughs> that. That's not a good way to say that or do that or anything. And now, and now we're dealing with prejudice, not not even just stereotypes, but like the the, mm-hmm. the next level from stereotypes, where we we've now defined what something is and what they can be, and now we're making other people feel bad because if they're like, well, I'm not a well dressed gay man, you know, and it's like, does that make me bad and weird? And then and then it's kind of uncomfortable. Which again. I actually kind of like exploring those, but I think it would be up to the DM and GM to be like, "Hey, before this, you know, before this session, I want you to know you're going to be dealing with a, a bit of a, a jerk because this person has some really bad opinions. Are you comfortable with that?" And if they're like, "You know what? Not today. I'm actually emotionally overloaded," then the DM or GM could be like, "You know what? Okay, fine. We'll we'll make a more even keel and we'll explore that perhaps later." I think that's an awesome type of game. It sounds like I, you're, I think... you actually are suggesting that we treat each other like people. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. We consider each other's feelings at the time. I think something to pull out of what Jeff said is that there's like a cause effect implied there. He's well dressed because he's gay. And I think that is part of the problem. He could be both individually. He is both gay and well dressed, but it's almost like he was saying it is because he is gay that he is well dressed, which I think is where the inherent problem comes in. Mm -hmm. I heard some really interesting thoughts on tokenism that I think apply directly to what you're talking about here when listening to some panels at a convention called PaizoCon. And one idea they brought up is that if you have a single person of a certain background, then they become the representation of all people in that background, sort of if you like it or not. So if you have, if there's only, they only ever came across one gay guy in the whole campaign and he was well-dressed and he talked with a lisp and he held his hand in a different way then you're you may not want to but in some ways you're saying that about all people that he's representing if you have several people then that sort of no longer becomes the case 
I thought that was a very interesting thought, and I think it, it holds a, a lot of more I thought about the more water it's it's been holding for me. And it kind of feels weird because we were talking a little earlier about the whole obligation issue. It goes, well, then am I obligated because I wanted to include a gear character and I got to make sure I have five? I don't know. It feels weird to have someone from the outside tell you this is what you need to do, even that's pretty much what this podcast is going to be doing to our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that does hold the water. If you have the one guy, he kind of becomes a representation of that whole race in many ways. And then there's also like the stereotypes of things that don't exist. Orcs are mean, gruff, bad people. You're not hurting. There's no real orcs that get really upset with me when I said that. But it's definitely a stereotype or trope that's going to walk the line between the two. And is that problematic to use? I, I don't think so. My initial reaction is no. If you want to have your orcs be bad guys because they're easily identifiable bad guys, go ahead. So... Since we're kind of agreeing, I think, on the idea that tropes can be used and even to certain stereotypes in certain ways, I guess the question now to ask is, are there bad tropes that shouldn't be used? For example, we've mentioned damsel in distress, I think on purpose, because that one I think a lot of people would bring up as problematic in many ways. I think other ones would be all members of a race have a single trait, like all gnomes are greedy and the entire orc races are warriors. The avatar syndrome where one white guy comes in and saves the indigenous people from themselves and their their ways. He becomes their rescuer. They couldn't have done it without the one white guy or one guy from outside their race. It doesn't have to be white. These are some that came off the top of my mind that maybe are problematic. The question is, are there certain tropes that maybe are best to stay away from? I'm convinced there's not really a bad trope, just bad writing. I think bad tropes are usually considered so because they're very uninspired and they're written very poorly. Damsel in Distress is a great example because of how it's been historically used that I call the Princess Peach Syndrome, where it's just, well, Princess Peach got kidnapped. That just happened. There's no characterization because of this. There's no greater implementation. Just go get her and you're going to get a cake at the end. And that's the whole (laughs) storyline. When really, if someone is going to get kidnapped, kidnapping is a thing that happens. It's a valid thing that happens. It can really happen to anybody. Yep. I, I actually just fully agree with that. Instead, use the kidnapping to show things about the kidnapper, about the kidnappee, about people who react that knew the person that got kidnapped. Use it. Don't just have it happen and say, well, go save them. We're kind of ignoring this as a construct. Otherwise, this is just driving you forward. I think it's a fine line. I think the damsel and distress example seems in many ways to illustrate that women are powerless and they need saving by someone else stronger than their gender. I mean, it depends how you use that. I'm a Christian and one of the tenets of my faith is that I'm unable to save myself and I need intervention from someone more powerful than me to rescue me from my plight. A beautiful love story is told by God coming down to rescue me. I can see myself using a damsel in distress trope to communicate that theme in one of my games. In addition, just because all women aren't helpless and in need of a big strong man to sit to rescue them doesn't mean that this specific NPC that I made doesn't fit that case. They have the generalization versus the specific cases. I think I can make a weak female character as much as I can make a weak male character without communicating something about an entire gender. But I think what kind of folds its arms around this whole topic is absolutely true. At least in my humble opinion, that's the case. But we've had a lot of people saying the opposite. And you're doing that now. How does how does that working in now? When the culture has been saying in many ways women are weaker, now you're doing that in your game. Do you have to rethink twice about that now? And again, that's not a loaded question. That's a genuine question. Well, I think it comes down to balance, though. And, and that's, again, the analogy of good writing. Like, you come across a woman in that position, sure. But that's, I don't think anyone's going to think too ill of that. But if if you just happen to always 
mm-hmm. choose a woman in that situation, mm-hmm. then that becomes an issue. Good point. But that's just good writing, right? Like if, if the story constantly ends up with, wow, look, it's guess what you guess what you're doing this fake adventurers. It's just rescue <laughs> another woman. It's like, well, <laughs> that's not going to be very interesting for very long. So in also bad writing would be if it was alternating between this week, it's a it's a plucky pet and the next week it's a man and then it's a woman. It's like, well, just just diversify it up. Mm-hmm. But you do have to be aware of it as a DM and GM because sometimes you'll do that. You'll have different kinds of missions and, and quests and that kind of stuff. And it just so happens if you're not taking pretty good notes, you're not aware of where you've been, that people do fall into certain roles. Sure, absolutely. Um, and that's, again, I don't want to make it sound like someone's like, well, gosh, I haven't been taking notes on all my games. It's, it's, it's more of like you're elevating yourself and you're, and you're doing a really cool thing if you're aware of these concepts and you focus on it. But we have to circle mm-hmm. back to what we said at the beginning, too, which is it's just about having fun. So, like, if your game starts to become really stressful and upsetting because you're just like, God, I, I can't remember if this guy was gay or not. And sure. like, uh, we're going to have to we got to delay a week, guys. It's so bad of me. I don't, I don't remember, you mm-hmm. know, and, and like then you, then you're playing for the wrong reasons. Like, I think this is all flavor and awesome to practice as bettering yourself as a person while playing a game. Mm-hmm. which is amazing but don't you know don't make it think or feel like a chore don't make it feel like this really terrible thing some people have great experiences with characters that have almost no soul or personality right like they just do a dungeon for two hours and it's a bunch of traps and a ghost and then there's a, yeah. a, a white at the end of it and there's almost zero like what are the characters well i'm the warrior trope and i'm the yeah i'm the ranger trope and like and and nobody went deeper if that's what you guys want to do that's great that's totally mm-hmm. fine I, I feel like nobody should ever make you think that you have to play this game a certain way i just think that if you want to elevate it and take it to the next stage and be aware of these concepts then it has the potential to make you a better person while you're playing a game and i think that's incredible i agree so generalizing an entire race sort of trope is interesting because i think in many ways pathfinder pushes you that way and other role-playing games will push you that way different Fantasy races games push you that way yeah different races in pathfinder get traits to help you delineate them from each other when you pick an orc you get the ferocious trait which represents i'm too angry to die and i can fight even though i have negative hp every orc gets that it's you're giving it to every race you're trying to differentiate between races so if you think that's problematic you're gonna have a hard time in a lot of fantasy games not doing that i find when i do individual npcs it's not so much a problem for me as when i RP a group of people. Individual NPCs, I think, in my experience, are easier to walk away from from these all orcs are angry. Well, this orc runs an orphanage, and it's really easy to not do that. But when I have the orc army or the orc gang fight, I kind of usually make them all angry. (laughs) This ties back to what you're saying earlier, the greed thing. Like, dwarves have the greed racial trait. That is just a construct of being a dwarf. Every dwarf everywhere is better at appraising goods and knowing the value of gold. And that's something you have to technically deal with. It's built right into the core rulebook. It's in the structure of the storytelling. It might be an opportunity to, to turn around what might be problematic into something interesting. You, you, you can say, why is it wrong that all, all dwarves are good at identifying gold? Maybe that's a cool thing about them. Mm-hmm. Why don't we celebrate this difference? Now, when I, when I role-played cat folks in my campaign, I had them generally submissive, not because it was a racial trait they had, but because in my campaign they were slaves and they had just been freed and they're learning how not to be slaves. So some of the things sort of 
carried over from their past life. In my opinion, that helped make them a bit more realistic. It had allowed me to make sort of a, a commentary on the situation by generalizing a way a group of people are behaving. I think there's a, a very good way you can use this. Okay, here's a question that's going to be great to answer. If you can't use a stereotype or at least certain stereotypes, how do you role play a person from a different culture you don't know anything about aside from the stereotype? And one of the examples I have here is like a samurai. Educate yourself. What's wrong with that? If all you know is a stereotype, you want to represent it. What's wrong with, you know, browsing Wikipedia? You don't have to get a master's or a bachelor's in history to understand samurai. Just do a little bit of research, learn a little bit more about it. And if you're that worried about it, in the case of a samurai, you could just separate the mechanics from the real life flavor. You can just have a fighter, just treat them like a fighter. They don't need to have an Eastern samurai flavor. That's what the class is pushing them toward, but you can represent it in other ways. Yeah, and I would just say, I mean, at the end of the day, you're the master of your universe as well. So if you give them a different a different flavor or whatever, that's fine too. I, I think it's always just important to be open to like someone saying, hey, you know, my family's got six generations of samurai actually back there and what you did there kind of offends me. And, and to never be like, well, no, that's my depiction. <laughs> it's fine. To instead be like, okay, what can I do better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because whether you're a white or black DM or GM or something like that, you're going to have other cultures and people you don't intimately know really well. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that should mean that you should steer clear of it. It just means you should be open to be like, all right, tell me how to do better. And for them to be like, how about this? And you're like, okay, I can try that and just mm -hmm. move on. Because I think it's possible that someone brings that up and they're like, dude, it's just, it's just a game, man. I'm just pretending to be this thing that doesn't exist. Like, why are you getting offended? And that would be the exact wrong reaction to have if someone brought that up to you. Mm -hmm. so this is usually where I hear the discussion end. So if I might put it forward than when I've heard a lot of times. It's hard sometimes because what if you end up still disagreeing with the person? It's like, well, you know, this still is my world and, and what you said has made a lot of sense. And I think I'll change some of my behavior, what I've done here. But I think you're asking a little too much for me. You can run your own game and make your people act that way. But I think what I'm doing in this specific case isn't very problematic. I think it's it, we live in a world where there are cases where people are getting offended for offense sake. Again, I'm not generalizing. I'm not saying it happened to a lot of people or any specific group of people. I'm saying those people exist and we've all had interactions with them. What happens when that person's at your table? You can't, in my opinion, it's I, I'm not very ready to just give up all my jamming powers to somebody because everything I do, he keeps saying he gets offended at. I think it's a, it's a really hard line to walk because I care about this person. I don't want to hurt them. You don't get to control every character I make. That's a different, that's almost a different subject. That's just like the subject of what makes for a good group anyways, because that can, that can just come up in any way, right? Like they're like, oh, I don't like this mission that we're doing. I don't like this. And you're like, well, hey, I, I spent time making this. Mm -hmm. And then that person's just like, yeah, but your other mission wasn't good either. And then you're like, oh, this is... <laughs> This is all of a sudden a really bad place to be. It's not very fun. Mm -hmm. So if that's the kind of person, it's okay to, to voice those concerns. I feel like just in any creative or social situation, you have to be open to the other person saying, I actually feel pretty strongly that this is the, the correct way. I mean, I'm going to keep your thoughts and, and your your ideas there, but like we're going to push forward. And it has to just be a reasonable thing. The person's like, well, I'm not coming back next week. It's like, okay, I guess we'll find somebody else in your spot. Because at the end of the day too, like very few people are getting paid to do tabletop RPG stuff, right? So for mm -hmm. the most part, it's just a bunch of friends doing this for fun. So if it stops being fun for someone, and let's say their requests are pretty unreasonable on a grander level, doesn't necessarily mean that they're in the wrong. It just means they stopped having fun for one reason or another. It could be the most unreasonable thing in the world or it could not be. Then you just have to be comfortable with being like, okay, I'm out of here because 
at the end of the day, anytime any people exist together, right? Roommates or business partners or any of that mm -hmm. stuff. We're all just so different that it's really hard to find a situation where everyone's happy all the time. And by hard, I mean, actually impossible. So if that just keeps happening, then, and it's not like you kick them out as the, as the DM or team either. You're like, well, you're out of here. And they just have to like leave the friendship circle forever. <laughs> it just needs to be a part of the equation where it's like, Hey, I, I hear you. I feel pretty strongly about this. And, and, you know, it, the other people are comfortable with this and having fun and, if this is not for you, then, you know, it's uncomfortable, but but you are playing a game. And I think that's actually one of the funny concepts you can almost have an entire other podcast on is a lot of people mm -hmm. play games, but they just naturally elevate it to a stage of like, this is the most important thing I'll do all week. You know, so like if, mm -hmm. if something's impeding on that, then I'm quite upset about it, actually. And that's not wrong, necessarily. It's just sometimes you have to kind of keep in perspective what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this takes up a lot of time. I, I used to play eight hour games, uh, sessions. Now I play four hour sessions. That's still a large chunk of my time. We all four scheduled out of our, our space. That automatically raises it to a level of importance or at least sacrifice to even do this. So I think sometimes you can lose sight of what exactly is the importance of this game. I think as a, a gut reaction to someone potentially leaving over a perceived misrepresentation of a culture or a belief or something like that doesn't feel right. But I'm thinking, and I want to ask the question, how exactly do we differentiate that than if someone is simply unhappy with your game? Like, would it not be a very similar scenario in that, like Jess said, I don't like the missions. I don't really like interacting with the NPCs. I'm not really having fun. I don't know. I don't like the setting. Well, I think it's like perfectly fine. I don't have any hesitation saying, well, you maybe need to have a serious discussion with that person and see if they want to leave the game because they're not having fun. But it, but it almost feels wrong doing that for the way you're representing this culture or the sexuality or this religion feels wrong to me. It, it feels like that is almost a different, almost an entirely different scenario. Do you agree? Or do you think that they should be treated very similarly? I, I hear you on that. It's different because if someone's like, well, I didn't like the way you depicted the, those people. And then that person's like, well, that's how I'm going to depict them. Maybe you should leave the game. Like, that's a terrible conversation, yeah. right? But mm -hmm. the idea of, you know, it, it can get, it, it can become a little easier to understand. Like, let's say someone did depict, gosh, I, I kind of hate keeping using this example, but for sake of uh, not stumbling over my words forever, I guess I just will. But like, let's say someone depicts a person that is homosexual as like not any of the tropes. They're completely different. They're, they're, they stumble over their words. They, they aren't well-dressed. All, all the stereotypes that we commonly associate, they're none of those things. And then the other person's like, well, I'm uncomfortable with that because from what I understand, this is stuff that actually happens. And here's some stats on whatever.com. And it's, sure. it proves that actually a lot of these things are very true. And then you're like, well, I, I find that offensive. And then you have this weird talk back and forth where right. this person wants you to describe a race or culture or sexual preference a certain way. So then what it kind of always distills back to for me is that the game has to be a discussion. It has to be a back and forth. And if there's one person that's like, well, that's not how it is. I'm out. Then that's where the, the, the poisoned well comes in for me. It's not the portrayal of a race or disability or any of that kind of stuff. It's it's how it's discussed. Because in some of my shows, I did I did some characters that were that were suffering from things. In fact, I found that more interesting to do. And I didn't I'm not gonna sit here and say I handle all of them perfectly. And we had some really cool discussions where a, a lot of times they were like, or not even a discussion, but a couple of the scenes, you know, one of my guys has speech impediment and it like intensified if the situation was more intense. And that's kind of a hard thing to deal with. Like I did it at first just to kind of distinguish my character, but then as sure. the the trait went on this idea that when they're under duress they start stammering over their words created some really emotional situations and that's not everybody's bag so this conversation should never go from like i'm uncomfortable well then get out <laughs> it has to be <laughs> a, a discussion in between where it's like here's why i'm uncomfortable and then the other person just basic good 
conflict resolution needs to not inherently throw it away, but be like, you know, let's talk about it. I don't think we will be able to come up with a solution and a couple rules for you to follow. There's a lot of things in life that don't get a list of rules that it's just you have to deal with it as it comes up. And uh, I remember in in seminary, one of my classes, the guy asked, the professor asked a question, are men and women different? Yes or no? Okay, here's what you never do. Never write down a list of this is what women are, this is what men are. We're all, most of us agree here that they're different. Go ahead and write that list, see what happens. And it's like for every entry you can write in. Oh, so all women are weaker than men. Well, no, not all women, but you wrote that down on the list. You wrote that as one of the differences. Literally any difference you list, you'll have that. It's, it's it's, you, you literally can't make the list, but you know it's a fact. They are different, but good luck ever codifying how. Sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes you can't create the rules. You can't create the list. It's down literally to just interaction, as you said, and to how you're going to talk to that person. You know what? When you talk, even if Christian and I walk away disagreeing with something, if we talk to each other with respect, that makes sometimes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Christian and I were just shopping for Father's Day gifts. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, grab some dice and join us. Alright Christian, what says I love you and totally didn't forget your holiday, and the fact that I remembered yours and not mom's in no way reflects upon how much more I love you than her? How about a mass-produced card with sentiments on it that you didn't write? Perfect! Let's talk about catering. If there is a topic that is relevant to one of my players, should I avoid it or include it anyway? So do I avoid the subject because I don't want to be seen as catering to someone? For example, I was going to include homosexual oppression in my game, but one of my players is a homosexual and I don't want to be seen and I'm just catering something for you. I think that's overthinking it again. Yeah. I, I, I feel like any and all topics should be open within reason, obviously. If, if someone just lost their parents, you probably don't do the next episode on your parents dying because that yeah. would be ridiculous. But mm-hmm. um, this idea of like, well, they're gay, so I'm not going to do gay or they are gay, so we will do gay. That's that's overthinking it, right? In, in my opinion. Um, but again, it comes down to that discussion where if the person's like, hey, I really, you know, this is something that people always ask me about and I'm kind of looking for an escape. Like I'd, I'd rather not just be the gay guy on this episode mm-hmm. or this show. Just treat me like you would anybody else. Then that, then you have that guidance to go with it, right? But if that discussion's not had, then I, I feel like the worst thing you could do is be like, well, they're gay, so I'm, I'm not sure, you know, we, we can't touch the gay subject because they're gay. Because that would, that would be a problem as well, I, I feel. So it's always about the discussion, in my opinion. There could be, I'm very willing to hear someone say, no, you're absolutely wrong. You don't ever do it. Um, that's totally fine, too. And, and here's the catch-all. I think that's an okay answer as well because we discussed it. Nailed it. <laughs> I think the onus is on the player to tell you what they are not comfortable with, not for you to make an assumption, which is mm. why what a practice that me and Caleb do that we've mentioned before is that before we even start playing, we have just a very short questionnaire for people starting to play. And one of the questions I always ask is, is there any topic or subject that you're particularly sensitive to that you would like not brought? 
brought up in the story because it'd be really bad if you make someone role play something like sexual violence that has experienced that right. and it's incredibly you know traumatic for them so they write that down you know it's something not to include but just knowing that someone is say gay and i don't think you have any obligation to include or not include anything not to cater to them fully agreed i guess the question is do you see being catered to as a good or a bad thing I appreciate it when a GM knows a subject I like and includes it. I actually, I feel appreciative as opposed to, oh, you just picked that because you know I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. I would say from my experience, it was really nice. One of the first times that ever happened to a game where there was an NPC and we were talking to them and they meant they were a man and they mentioned their husband. I was like, oh, that's really sweet. That's really never happened before. We always hear the talk of representation of media. It's nice to have a representation of yourself in media and the stories you interact with. I never realized how rarely that happened until that happened. It was just a not an important NPC, not an important moment, but they just mentioned that they had a husband. And I thought that was really cool. And it's mostly a balanced thing at that point. I would find it really creepy if a GM included like a lot of homosexual NPCs and like the NPCs were hitting on my character. I'd be like, you know, you yep. can tone down with that. You don't have to do that. It's actually kind of weird. Exactly right. A lot of times you can let your players lead you by the hand for that sort of thing. They'll give you signs of, I'm interested in that. If your player's sort of pursuing the romance angle, then you can facilitate that and play as NPCs that are romantically interested in him. If he's not sending you those signs, you know, let's back up a little bit. Uh, I had a real life example of this with one of my players is is Jewish and he has had family that was in Auschwitz-Birkenau, several members. And in the campaign, I had set a couple things I was going to cover something about a genocide and the main villain was a Nazi. Uh, so I, I, I sent that questionnaire to him. It was a confidential thing. Like, is there anything you don't you want to be talking about? And he didn't bring that up. And so I did it and I dressed it just as I normally would in any game. And afterwards, I asked him how he, he felt about it. And his response was, and again, he's not representative of everybody, but this is an example case. He said, well, you, you handled it with enough respect that it was okay. You you weren't playing the, the Nazi and you didn't monologue about how happy you were the Holocaust. I'm not sure how I would have handled that. The genocide that happened in the game was a, was a powerful story moment that we had to address and deal with. I didn't feel like you were trying to say something about what my people went through. And I don't feel you have the authority to talk about that. But he said the things that like it would have been too far if you were like gloating as look how I, I did this wonderful thing that killed your people. He said that would have been too far. That was a step too far. And that might have not been for others, but it was for him. And I happen to know him as a good friend of mine. You get to know those limits, those boundaries you can push with people. I was afraid. I was honestly, I don't know why, but I was afraid that he would see as if I was trying to say something to him specifically. I, I had, I included genocide because I wanted to say a message to you. I think you would have gotten it. I think me and you, you know, we can help these guys understand. <laughs> that wasn't the idea, but I was afraid he was going to think that. I don't know why I was afraid he was think that, but I was. I know it's a, it's a weird kickback. Do you ever feel that way? Are you afraid that you'll be seen that way? Or is that sort of maybe a problem that's maybe more just with me personally? I don't know. I feel like at some point you do have to pull up the, you have to pump the brakes or something and be like, I'm overthinking it too much. Mm -hmm. Like avoiding a topic or diving into a topic because someone is of that thing is a good thing to be aware of. But for it to like paralyze you and be like, oh my God, we can never touch the subject because they, they dealt with it on some level. It's like, no. Uh, but then there's, then there's like the good writing example, which I think answers all of this. Like if you're really ham-fisted about it, like someone's grandparents read Auschwitz and their name was like George and you're like, this character's name is Georgie. And you're like, oh, okay, well. Yeah. 
this is ridiculous. And you're like, and here's the thing. They have grandchildren that they love very, very much. And they want you to know that. And you're like, oh, this is really uncomfortable and weird and bad. Um, but dealing with like, you know, the subject of genocide or something like that. No, that's, I don't know. And, and it always goes back to the, the freedom of that player to come up to you. And this is where I don't think you're in a position to be like, well, I'm doing it anyways type of thing. If they're like, hey, I feel like this is, you know, I, I don't know if you know this about me or maybe you do. Here's what I'm dealing with. I'm, I'm really just here to relax and hang out. Is it cool if we back burner that subject and maybe a week I miss or something like that, you guys dive into it. Right. If the person's like, um, I hear you, but no. And then it's like, oh, okay, I guess I guess the choice is made for me if it's really bad for you. But that that's the catch all, right? Like any subject is because like you're saying earlier, too some people are triggered to be triggered sure but then there's other people that are just really sensitive and maybe that's not conducive to an interesting game in a social setting and, and that's got to be okay as well right like mm -hmm. if someone's like i'm really uncomfortable and i realize i'm really sensitive then they got to be a strong enough person to be like i'm gonna step back because i'm holding the group back but if they're like i'm uncomfortable with every subject and i also want you to accommodate me mm -hmm. then that's a terrible situation that can come up of course but i feel like that's the keyhole, you know, very rare. Most people in that's in those kind of games are like pretty willing to accommodate, you know. So I don't. I, it's not even worth a huge discussion, but it's just like, unfortunately, it's basically like be be reasonable, and all of this is okay. I think something you just said that really struck with me is you talk about specificity. The difference between this is Georgina, and she loves her grandchildren very much, and mm -hmm. telling a story about genocide or night and day. I think that that can actually be a really strong, helpful point there. How specific are you? How analogous are you doing it to them and about something you know about one of your players? Question number three. And the final question, how do I make people of any background comfortable at my game? When we want to include other people and cultures into our game, the question that comes up, which is worth answering, is what are some things that make people feel excluded or unwelcome that would be good pitfalls to avoid? Well, how do you guys make people comfortable at your game? I like to think they start comfortable and really the onus is on me to make them uncomfortable like that's my fault if i make them uncomfortable mm -hmm. but it, it, one of the only examples i have of this that happened to me is that there is some 4chan level of subculture we're saying faggot jokingly to your friends mm -hmm. is okay and i can kind of understand that amongst like very close friends but there was someone that started gming oh. there's a gm i started playing under he offered to run something he was a friend of a friend and he just kindly jokingly said that to someone and i was like hey like well honestly i didn't i actually didn't say anything because i was like am i being too sensitive hmm. for like he's just joking am i being too sensitive and no one else said anything so I was like, I guess maybe I am because I, I think my friends would have stuck up for me if it was really that bad. And it was basically diffusion of responsibility in a nutshell. But be conscientious of things like that. Like it was kind of a joke when I was younger that uh, people get offended if you call something gay. Like gay was just something with a negative connotation that you could say. But it was actually incredibly grating to me. So I should have brought it up. I should have said something. The onus was on me to tell the GM that that made me uncomfortable. I didn't. So honestly, I really only have myself to blame. But then you get into the scenario where I felt like he would have fought back with me like, oh, I'm just joking, man. And I didn't even want to get into that conversation. It's something sure. I didn't yeah. even want to do. Smaller example of this is that I used to say, Jesus Christ. I used to say that as 
kind of like an expletive like a lot of people do caleb mm -hmm. asked me to stop doing that that it was disrespectful and i was like yes perfectly fine i have stopped doing that since until right now sorry caleb no it's fine you can talk about <laughs> things of distraction i'm okay with that i really like what you guys said earlier about the small discussion before you get the game going because i feel like that's where you identify those kind of things and it's made more clear because we all we do as associate what a character says with that person that's just that is what happens and in, in my I don't know, it's like almost 10 years experience of doing this, which is, you know, not to say that I know everything. I would just tell you that in that time, what I've found is if you do stuff, everyone knows you're pretending, but they still associate what that person says with that character. And it's not fair, by the way. So I don't I don't want anyone to be like, that's, that's not how it should work. It's like, I get that. Yeah, it, it shouldn't, but it is. So if you start the game with saying, hey, this character is a racist and we don't need to dial this up to 11 and I'm not going to go full, you know, uh, Django Unchained on you here, but <laughs> that's, that is what this character does. And I'm I was thinking the same boring. movie. Yeah, of course. Then that's that's the time where someone says, you know, I appreciate that you're diving into that, but do you mind if we if we don't do that? Because I I actually it just really makes me uncomfortable and it sucks. That's where that discussion happens because there is that moment too to go back to your point earlier where it's like every time someone says that that doesn't necessarily mean you go uh, oh that makes you uncomfortable full reverse we're not doing it but the discussion has to happen right then then you can reply with well hey do you mind if I okay so they have racial tendencies I really want to explore that it's really important for me I will try to keep it directed away from you and your character if that's okay with you but like you know I want to do that and then you have that back and forth and in whatever resolution you come from that as long as it's respectful between the two of you that that's a healthy discussion as well by the way mm -hmm. because that's life that's that's actually and that's where I love tabletop so much is that it mirrors life but if you have that like let's say you don't you, you do have that discussion but you don't catch something then I really like the story you just said where the guy was basically over familiar with a derogatory term that you know perhaps made you very uncomfortable does come down to you as the player to be like hey just no big deal that thing you touched on uh, I didn't like that very much and that that whole thing that you talked about is so huge right where you're like I'm being overly sensitive or I really don't want him to argue with me about this I don't mm. want to be in this weird social setting where I'm yeah. telling someone not to use something that makes me uncomfortable but then they're like quit being a baby mm. the kind of crappy thing about that is I feel like the sole answer here is you have to overcome that. If you're not saying something out of fear of the ignorance of somebody else, then that ignorance isn't given a chance to be put away, right? Like, and th I, I, this is very personal for me because I'm a very opinionated, very loud, kind of robust guy. And a lot of people have just perceived where they're like, well, I just can't talk to him about that because if he argues, he's he's so charismatic and stuff that, you know, I, I'm just going to be squelched. I'm going to feel uncomfortable and just I'm going to I'm going to quiet down. But it just so happens that like this, of course, boils over two months later. And I'm like, yo, tell me, I, I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Mm. I would have done something differently. But if you don't give me the chance, then I'm already in that position. Right. And unfortunately, you are going to get the guy who's like, yeah, no, I'm going to still use that word. And you're a dick. And you're like, oh, wow, this is terrible. Mm. And that that in and of itself is worth discussing, I guess. Then you're like, OK, I guess I'm in a toxic situation. I don't want to be here. And I think ultimately that is the correct answer because hands down, that was the worst GM I ever had. And I wish I had left the game at that moment. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I, I want to push back a little bit and to say that I think that as GM, you can know that there are people out there, a lot of people, I think, they're going to be in that position that Christian just said where he just really didn't want to get into it. And you can yeah. help diffuse that situation by keeping it in, in your mind, by thinking about it, thinking this could exist and examining, oh, you know what? I do use faggot a lot. You know what? Maybe I should stop that. A little bit of introspection can go a long way to just 
sort of try to stop these problems from even happening. I agree with you that when the problem happens, when this problem is happening, we're here, we're in this room now and we have to deal with it. And it's going to be hard whether or not I, I, I pluck up enough to, to actually say, hey, please stop saying that. It becomes more difficult the less you know somebody. I know Christian very well. And that's how I felt comfortable asking him to please stop using that goddamn or Jesus Christ's expletives. Right. I didn't ask him that the first time I met him. You think Christian and I had a great debate about homosexuality and the Christian view of it the first day we met? You know what I mean? <laughs> it took us a very long time before we even even broached that topic. But as a GM, as a person, is anybody in any... Oh, great. And now, now I'm going out. As any person in any situation, this is just good for life. But trying to focus down on a role playing, you try to be aware of that and you can help. You can... You can do such a benefit to your players by just thinking about where could these be happening. So where's we talk about what are tips that you can do to avoid making someone uncomfortable. Think about what language am I using? Maybe there's a word I'm using and that there's somebody like Christian that just doesn't want to have that confrontation. All of us are, are as I think, maybe strong-willed as you and to, to go out there and have the confidence to, to, to broach against a conflict. A lot of us sometimes conflict is like the end disaster zone for me that I never want to ever get there. I'll just leave and never talk. I'll move to a different city if I have to, just to, <laughs> I don't want to breach, get into a conflict. I'll just suffer in pain. And then, like you said, then that boils over. So you can help avoid that a lot. Just try to focus on what maybe some or a few things that maybe you're doing that can hurt somebody. Which is why this whole topic is brought up. Why why we're even talking about, is it your, your obligation to include these things and how do you handle it? It's so that you can avoid some of these situations. And we're bringing up a lot of instances where it is close friends, people we're familiar with. Like you said, Caleb, the familiarity with that person is something something that really incentivizes having a controlled conversation like that. But that's not always the case. Uh, There is, you know, playing in say nerd stores, your card game store nearby, they have a public event night. Uh, Even us, we occasionally, we have our Discord, we sometimes pull people out of our Discord that are interested in playing games. These aren't people that we are intimately familiar with. So we are going to run into these situations more often. And sometimes having that intimate conversation isn't exactly an option because we simply don't know each other that well. Yep, but I would always say, feel comfortable at least broaching the subject if someone makes you uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. Don't sit silently and be like, I'm really uncomfortable, but I don't know these people well enough to say otherwise. Mm -hmm. So this is how you kind of leapfrog into a great situation. Because I find it's, it, it again, transcends this scenario and goes into life but like if you're really uncomfortable with something and you just don't talk about it that i i I almost never hear it go from like man i am super uncomfortable and i didn't talk about it for six years but then i felt great it's like no (laughs) usually it doesn't go that way it's usually like it just continues to get worse and worse and then something breaks right but and i understand the, the social discomfort of like day one you're with four people you just you're at your local library or game store like, and you're just responding to a, an ad to be that guy that's like, hey, everybody, I don't want to deal with the uh, rape. And, you know, that's not, <laughs> Oh, that's, he's one of them. Yeah, that's oh. really tough. That's really tough. But uh, I, I default back to this is a game. Um, and, and even though I start off by saying I like that people are uncomfortable and in, in, in delving into situations that perhaps they're not as familiar with, I think that's really strong. That is not what it is for everyone, right? Like for some people, it is just a casual setting. Now, four out of the five people really want to deal with pretty deep, deep stuff. And from the, you know, day one, and you're that fifth person that's like, I don't want to deal with any of it. Then guess what? Uh, Just by virtue of like the group, you're in the wrong group. And that's okay. It's totally okay to be in the wrong group. There will be some other people that just want to literally 
crawl through a dungeon, fight a couple of monsters, right. and solve a puzzle. That's it. The the idea that there's something wrong with you if you're different from the other four people, that's something, too, that I always wanted to kind of speak out about in Quelch. There is this, like, inherent belief that if, if you're the minority, there's something wrong with you. I don't believe that. But I also think you should be comfortable with saying, um, I'm not ready to tackle this right now. I'm going to pull back and go somewhere else. And people, like, inherently demonize that or talk about it like it's a failure. I, I don't think so. Hmm. Uh, especially not in a game sense. If, if it's not your job and you're not forced to do that, then make it fun. Make it what you want it to be because you're not forced to do it. There are other places in life where you don't have those choices, right? Like if you have bills, you have kids and, and all these things to pay for and your boss is just kind of a dick, then you're kind of having to deal with that for a mm. little while, at least until you find a, a better situation. But you can't just be like, I'm out. I don't like right. this. I'm out. I mean, you can, but then there's like real life stuff crashing down on you, right? Yeah. So it's while cool. you can be be the master of your universe. So that's that's one of the 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 tools, the the great things, the options that you do have in most of these gaming groups is the ability to walk away. If conflict is the worst thing in the world for you, then you can just try to find a different group that maybe is better suited for you. Yeah. Sometimes maybe, maybe it's not the first option you want to go to, but it's a possible option. Uh, I want to talk about sameness. If there is a homogeneous gaming group, one that is mostly the same race, gender, sexual orientation, etc., are they obligated to diversify their play group? And for me, I, I walked into this with a pretty strong feeling about one way or the other. I decide who I play with based on personality and play style. And that's pretty much almost where I end it. And I said almost because I've let gender enter the equation too. I have no shortage of male friends who want to play TTRPGs with me. And I go out of my way to try to include women because I enjoy what differences their presence at the table brings to the game. In some ways, I feel weird because I feel like we should just have that generic. Any, you shouldn't let gender enter the equation, but I, I truly do. And I don't feel bad about it. I'm okay with sameness if that's what you want. And if you want to add somebody else, it's your group. This is the way I feel about it. Well, like Jeff said, there's no police that are going to come raiding your house if you're four white guys playing a tabletop role-playing game. I think in your own personal game, your own personal playgroup, it is your sole decision as to who does and does not play. But we always have to bring up the public playing, things like that, mm. uh, playing at a con, for instance. I think that exclusion, explicitly excluding people would obviously be a problem. That would just be blatant exclusion. Sure. And I, I think that's a problem, but who, there's no authority on this. How do you... Yeah test how diverse you are who are you answering to exactly right that's a great question we've talked about obligation a lot so far this episode what obligation am i under to make sure that it's not the same is there one to me it feels really weird asking this question because it feels like a really obvious answer of do what the heck the heck you want to do in your private game but i ask this question because a lot of people will bring this up and will come to a different conclusion there are people out there that say no you really need to do this because if you don't those people, there's not enough of them for they for them to find their own game of minorities and other things. It's a it's a real concern I have brought up. This is an interesting one because I think it's just more about like again being self-reflective, I suppose. If you just commonly are always with four other white guys all the time, there's not something necessarily wrong with that. It's not like you look at them and go, God, we need we need a black guy. We need a black guy <laughs> and an Asian woman. Yep. Um, Wait, let me take out my litmus paper. Nope, I'm not diverse enough yet. Yeah, I, I think that should just be the, if, if someone put a gun to my head and said, what's your one answer and, and I can't be wordy about it, I would just say there's nothing wrong with that. I would tell you, though, that that would once again be a missed opportunity, especially if like a girl asked to play. So that that's where it becomes self-reflective and interesting. If a girl mm -hmm. is like, hey, I'd like to play with you guys. And you're like, well, sorry, we don't have any spots open. And then they look at your group and it's like four white dudes. And she's <laughs> like, okay, I guess I know what's happening here. Is, is that even the whole story? Should someone be like, no, that... 
Jeff, you're wrong. If, if they just happen to have a closed group and it just happens to be four white guys, it's fine. I agree. That's not necessarily wrong, but it's a missed opportunity. Things are just so much better with variety. Obviously, if it comes down to the hard math of like, there's this guy you don't really know, but he happens to be a black dude. And then you've got your like four really good friends. And you're like, sorry, you're all white. So one of you has to go. <laughs> no, then that's kind of that's something you're not forced into. And that's, again, the kind of game scenario. But I would encourage you to open up another slot, have five players and then the one GM or DM or whatever. And then if a girl comes along, make it six. And if people are like, hey, this is kind of a lot of people. Sure, talk about that. But at the same time, if you have some female perspective, you have some uh, different races, different re religious credence, that kind of stuff, it just adds so much to it that you should look to diversify as opposed to you're not obligated to, you don't have to, but you, you should try to because it's fun is basically the bottom line. Hmm. But some people, too, are like, well, I'm in a town where it's 98% white. It's like, yeah, and you're probably not going to have a very diverse <laughs> game of uh, Pathfinder. What are um, we doing? We're, we're busting people in from the other side of the city. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's that's why, right? Like, it's just, it's just worth noting because in real life, that does tend to happen. Like, people tend to congregate to people of similar racers or whatever because that's what they're inherently more comfortable with. And you are playing a game, so don't allow me to say too much where I'm like, make yourself uncomfortable. It's fun. Because obviously there's there's going to be thresholds and lines there. But but yeah, be self-reflective. If, if, if it's a, you know, we got a game of 10 people. They're all white dudes, all 30 years old. Isn't that amazing? It's like, yeah, it's super amazing. <laughs> How'd that happen? Yeah, how'd that happen? I, I actually would like to put something forward to you guys, and I truly want to hear your opinion about, about what happened to me and what I did. I'm very particular who I play with. It's no secret. That's based entirely on personality and play style. When writing these notes, I was going to say, I've never not played with someone based on something other than that. But then I, I contemplated, and I once stopped playing with someone on the autism spectrum while it was because of his personality and play style i believe those things were deeply informed by autism and there were other things as well like we never knew if he actually would show up he'd leave for long periods of times in the middle of session but these are all like tertiary things right let's throw the, all that out for the sake of this conversation is there something problematic or wrong with me deciding to stop playing with somebody for that reason because that's because, a real uh, life difficult situation in my opinion i love that i think that's an incredibly uncomfortable question that um there is not really a good answer like the completely you know everything is wonderful but life is beautiful answers like yeah you're wrong you should play with people in any situation but um then you kind of default back to as well where it's like no this is a social game and if someone's afflicted with something that makes it really uncomfortable and hard for other people like let's say Tourette syndrome right mm -hmm. so all of a sudden the scenario of like i'm not comfortable with you saying faggot but this guy like that's his word and he just screams it all the time and you're like well it's a speech you know it's it's a like a disorder it's something they're struggling with i shouldn't take offense but then your whole show becomes just someone yelling that kind of stuff maybe it's not conducive to that situation right like we don't let too many and this is good this is not a popular way to answer this by the way i think uh the popular answer is People of any different kind of background should be able to play with anybody. And I think should be in the operative word there. I, I would like that if everybody was comfortable and awesome and could. But at the end of the day, if if uh, you step on a bus and the, the guy's got, he's blind, turns to you and says, hey, pick a seat. And you're like, well, uh, it's a blind <laughs> person. You shouldn't be driving a bus. And you sit down because you're like, well, I think this is what I should do anyways. It's like, no, probably not. Now, of course, it's not driving a bus. It's playing tabletop RPG. So I would always say default to can you? Can you endure, right? Like, should you? Because if, if you're just slightly uncomfortable, but that's just because you're not used to it or this mm -hmm. person's affliction bothers you, then I think this is a great 
moments in time and exercise into becoming more accommodating and comfortable with it because that is something we should do hmm. i don't know if you guys have the same story but growing up like i didn't understand down syndrome uh, as a kid and I, I i just you know i'd see a person with down syndrome at my church i'd see them in my city or whatever and i'd see them when we take vacation in florida and i was like how is the same person following me around all over the place and i asked my mom that and she's like oh you know oh honey and she kind of explained to me what's sure. going on here but you know people that have down syndrome they're just a different kind of person right so imagine if you're like well i'm really uncomfortable with that i don't want to be around it to a certain extent you should say those kind of things and and then self-reflect and be like that doesn't sound right right like it's hmm. it's kind of hard to say that and feel comfortable with who i am so maybe take it as an opportunity to, to explore it i guess i always like to compare these to similar scenarios so if you were say had a soccer league with your friends and someone had some kind of physical disability that they couldn't play soccer or they want to try well they, they physically can't are you right. necessarily excluding them from that it, how much different is it when it's from a personality perspective from something like autism i yeah. think it's the difference between can't the blind person cannot drive a bus safely the physically disabled person can't kick the soccer ball the person with autism can play role-playing games they yeah play it differently than me in ways that i maybe not like but they can do it. It's also okay to not enjoy it too, by the way. That's the, the the weird, uncomfortable answer that nobody really wants to say. But like if someone is dealing with that kind of thing, that doesn't mean that you need you need to necessarily have the best time in the whole world or that you have to be there. It's just always that discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just would always encourage people to, and like I started this whole episode off by saying, I really enjoy being uncomfortable in tabletop RPG so that it betters you as a human being. If you're constantly like, I don't want to deal with autism. I don't want to be around people to deal with that. And you just walk your whole life doing that. Are you the worst person in the world? No. Are you doing something evil? No. But I, I feel like you are in inescapably so burying your head in the sand and just choosing not to kind of face something that other people do have to deal with no matter how much they would try to bury their head in the sand and that's again that's not a crime you're not going to get arrested by the tabletop police but like i i 32 years ancient in my situation with all the wisdom that i have garnered so far i would just say i think you just have the ability to be a better person if you face some of that stuff now that being said if you just got like evicted from your house your husband or wife left you and uh, you lost a leg in a car accident. Maybe maybe now is not the time to necessarily deal with all that. That that too is okay. Mm-hmm. But just be open to the discussion and the idea that instead of just av- averting yourself from anything uncomfortable, you eventually face it. It's, it's interesting you bring this up, Caleb, because I ran to a similar situation when I was GMing for the gaming club at my college that there was someone on the autism spectrum and I had to put a lot of effort forward. I did have a lot of these conversations. I spoke to them. I spoke with the other people in the game, make sure they weren't uncomfortable with what was happening. But the situation never really got better and eventually ended up the player threw dice at someone else. And that was kind of the straw that broke the candle's back. I was like, that is explicitly not okay. You can no longer be in this game. You you physically yeah. effectively assaulted somebody else. And that that's simply where I had to draw the line. Well, these are tough subjects. I hope that our discussion of it can help you work through it. And as much as we've given maybe some of our answers, I think a lot of what Jeff said has been very strong of there are not exactly concrete answers for every situation, but there mm-hmm. are concrete answers for your situation. You can kind of suss those out. And Jeff, thank you so much for being on this episode. It's been a real pleasure to have you on and hear what you have to say. I really appreciate it. Love the discussion, guys. I, I appreciate that you're doing this. I think it's awesome. Is there anything you would like to shout out? I just uh, I stream on Twitch and Control TV. Um, I hope to be a part of more tabletop RPGs. I haven't done some in a little while here. But if you're out there and you're you're doing this kind of thing, then you're doing some awesome stuff. It's really fun. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thank you all for listening. And class is dismissed. 
Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. This episode was edited by Devin Tonnell. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening.